Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado. I am a photographer here in beautiful Miami, Florida, and each week I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. On this episode, we are joined by Barry Stingless. Barry is the co-founder of OneHeart, a superconscious human accelerator and mastermind for top founders, executives, and heart-led leaders deeply committed to changing the world from the inside out. A serial entrepreneur with three exits worth over $1 billion under his belt, he now uses business as a force of good, as angel investor and advisor to conscious companies like Tufton Needle and Thrive Market. On today's episode, Barry and I go deep into his incredible background, lessons learned from both his successes as well as his failures. We discuss what it means to be a heart-led leader and get an inside look into the journey that led him to launch companies like Miami Made and eventually One Heart. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this enlightening and inspiring conversation with Barry Stamos. Barry, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, brother. Happy to be here. I've known about what you're doing in Miami for a long time with Miami Made and now with One Heart and everything. And I knew for sure that you were going to be one of those guys that I had to have on the show. Because you're doing stuff that is quite different from what most entrepreneurs or business people these days are doing. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself, your background, what you do to the listeners, everything. Grateful to be here and thank you for honoring me so I may hopefully be in service to others. Awesome. So my name is Barry Stamos. I'm the co-founder of One Heart. One Heart is a modern tribe and we're currently over 150 Uh, alumni. We've had uh, five journeys now, so five co cohorts, if you will. It's part accelerator, so you probably heard of Y Combinator. So what Y Combinator might be for tech companies, we are for humans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been in the tech space for a very long time, and if I've learned anything, that it's that uh, we get to have a little bit of a digital detox and, and remind ourselves what it means to be human again. So for a listener... That's hearing all of this. So is it essentially kind of like a retreat? We paint the picture of what typically happens in one of these things. What's the goal? Everything. Yeah. So I, I, I would start with first kind of our, you know, our, our audience. So most of the people coming on One Heart Journeys are founders that, you know, many have had exits or they're kind of in a place within their startup where they've grown it. They're, they're continuing to scale it. And yet the game that they're playing, they're finding themselves say, is this it? Is this really my life? Isn't there more? to life. I feel bored with the That age old question. Yeah. Right? And, and there's something to be said about infinite games and then f like finite games. Right. So the finite games I believe are the games we play in the matrix, right? Like we're avatars running around, collecting coins, advancing, <laughs> looking to level up. Right. Yeah. I mean, and those levels are fun. I mean, it's great right. to level up. And eventually you start to realize, at least for me, I did that, um, these accomplishments, you know, what's next having more really doesn't satisfy me at a, soul level. Yeah. Right. It doesn't really move my spirit. And, uh, and so, and, and, and then this happens to coincide with somewhat of a, of a mass movement around consciousness, kind of this rebirthing of psychedelics and different modalities. I mean, we have Wim Hof and breath work and this, you know, in, in meditation and yoga and all these beautiful right. modalities that are both ancient and modern that are inherently by design intended to, um, in some ways, wake us up and start to feel the full spectrum of emotions that are available to us. And so this, this is a bit of a retreat 
in that we get to, you know, check out of our, our day to day for a moment and be fully immersed in nature and be surrounded by these masters, people that have mastered their modalities, be it breath work or what have you. Right. And then go deep, deep with each other and an experience that's largely rooted in, in love and connection and those things that we really crave that are in infinite supply, you know, in high demand. And yet rarely do we realize the full satisfaction or gratification from, from these magic moments. And in, not in only that, life. but even, but even we live in such a connected world yet still feel so disconnected at times. Right. And it's like, it's crazy. And yet, you know, what's crazy to me is that right now there's an opportunity for anybody listening. You don't have to go to Costa Rica with us uh, to just take a moment and turn off your phone. I mean, if you turn off your phone, you're stopped. You're probably not going to be yeah. listening. But, but after this session, yeah. to turn off your phone, to take a deep breath in and out, to just marvel at the miracle that is this moment. And, you know, it's fun when, when we're in a yoga class or it's fun when we're meditating for the five minutes. And yet that, that perspective, if we allow it to persist, it can do wonders in how we operate as leaders and companies. It allows us to be fully present and connected in relationships uh, with loved ones. It allows us to lead with our hearts and not just our heads, which is largely at the heart of one heart. Right, we have so many brilliant leaders who are in their minds um, in the matrix and they're manifesting um, wonderful companies and that these companies lack soul. I know that I've worked for organizations where I felt like I was a slave. <laughs> yeah. Like my boss just bossed me around and that I had to do the work and I'm paying you a salary. And so get it done and do it as I say. And I don't care if you had a father or mother that way, or you had a boss that way, it doesn't feel good. And ultimately that's not in flow. And that doesn't resonate and allow me to grow into my full potential, um, let alone be in service to others looking to do the same. So that leadership style is dated. And, you know, those organizations that are still operating that way are in danger of becoming dinosaurs. Um, there's another way where you can lead with love and truly be grateful for those around you to um, be in service to them and realize that this work that we're doing matters not only for the company, but it matters for us individually. And this notion of, you know, it's not personal, it's business is bullshit. It's all integrated. We're spending more time working than we are doing anything else in our That's lifetime. Right, yeah. So if we, we get to love what we do, and, and make that love, you know, with our work, to make love with our work, to make love with the companies that we're creating. And when we birth things from love with real intention, turns out that that's a, a recipe for success. Um, I've recently come into this profound realization after having worked in technology for a long, long time that love is open sourced technology, right? Like love is <laughs> like the that. ultimate differentiator <laughs> yeah. in business. I mean, when you sell, you know, if you're, if you truly love your product, it shows people feel that energetically. People love doing business with people that they love being around. People love working with people that they know love them. And so if we're expressing this love in our leadership, if we're expressing this love, uh, most importantly with ourselves, self-love is a real thing. And I've come into a, a sincere appreciation um, for that, having been through quite a lot myself and realizing that there were moments where I, you know, wasn't um, fully honoring myself. And I've also realized that through one heart and on these journeys, I mean, I'm on journeys with incredible creators and scientists and, and uh, doctors and, and, you know, exited founders and billionaires. And I've come in to realize that like, 
when I, when I ask people and I set the context or the construct for, you know, do you really fully love yourself? There's an insecurity, yeah. um, you know, and, 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 and it's in all of us. Mm. And yet, you know, it's one of the most important things to be and feel whole and complete. What would you say is the biggest shift when you're thinking about being a heart-led organization or a heart-led leader? Whether it's from your personal experience or what you're seeing with some of these people that are in, in being taking part of the journey, what's one of the biggest shifts that you see them making? Yeah. And, and, and I'm trying to get some actual examples of how they're making different decisions in their business. How are they looking at things differently? Yeah, beautiful question. So I, I would say the big distinction, the largest distinction is that many of, many of, the, many of us operate very successfully in our mind. And we're masterminds in our business and, and we can analytically think things through and even be multiple moves ahead. And yet we are at an elementary level in terms of feeling. Mm. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. And so, and so by, by really um, being in a higher state of consciousness, there is a supreme level of emotional intelligence. And it turns out emotional intelligence is it's quintessential for um sustainable success. You can get somewhere by being a bulldog and just like breaking through walls and hustling and, right. and you're going to leave a huge hole in, in that wake. You're going to hurt people. You're going to step on them. You're not even going to like the person that you become during right. that process, as opposed to being in that journey, being in service to yourself, being in service to others, like sharing, you know, kindness and generosity and respect uh, being mutually helpful, having an opportunity to truly fill people up along the way is, is, is the way. Mm. And it ultimately leads to greater levels of success and better outcomes. And there's a correlation I've seen between founders and the company they keep. Yeah. And they say, you know, it's who you know. And yet there's an energy that you admit when you're coming from a place of love versus where you're coming from a place of ego. And that energy that you admit attracts different people that help you be more legit right. in your practice, right? And so right. investors show up that are in tune with that energy. And that energy that gets exchanged helps you to flow and grow and bloom and blossom in ways that like I never thought was possible. If I may share with you an example. So I used to work so hard. I used to feel like, I used to think that I had to be in control I used to think that we had to do all of these steps in order for it to be successful. And I used to worry that if I wasn't, you know, putting it all in and working weekends and doing all this, it wouldn't happen. I now operate from an, a new, I've upgraded my operating system. Yeah. I've got like new technology. The hardware is still a little fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's things I could do with my body and there's things that, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'll, I'll share with you that like, I've already upgraded to like, you know, X phone 20, nice. like, like, you know, operating system. And so, so that operating system though, is, is one where I'm now able to embody love, light, leadership. And, and as a, a as a result of that, it pulls in, and this is going to sound like a total personal development book. And I promise you, like, it's been, it's been happening all around me and all, and for so many people around me too, it's like things just happen and it's beyond my wildest fantasy. So I'll have an intention. I'll have intentions this year, this year, 2020, instead of goals. And these intentions, if I don't define them perfectly, 
end up resulting in someone else doing what I had intended to do and doing it way better than I could have ever imagined. And now I get to be a part of this and experience this. I'll give you a concrete example. So I had a startup here in Miami called Video. I raised money for it. We raised a couple million dollars. I was coming at that startup from the space of scarcity. I was like, we only have a couple million dollars. I've got to compete with the large tech companies, you know, fighting to get my first couple clients and revenue. And we ended up losing talent. And there was so many things that went wrong that could go wrong that did go wrong. And the company ended up failing. And so my investors lost money. I lost millions, right? Like, I mean, I, I paid that price. So for almost five years, I didn't pay myself in the company, right? I mean, I took it on the chin, and I was like, oh man, you know, I, I could have, you know, I could have been doing something else. I could have, would have, should have. Meanwhile, I did during that time give love to a few founders. I was an advisor to a couple of companies and I did that out of love. I wasn't, there was no other intention of me sharing my time in service. Okay. One of those founders ended up having an exit for over half a billion dollars, made me a founding advisor. I had points in the company. So that was my, you know, that was, a, that was a good day. Right. <laughs> and, and even then you hear stories like that and people grin and they're like, oh, well, good for you. Right. Right. It's like, no, there's, there's more to that story. Right. Founders, even when they have mega exits, you know, it's not always clean. There's stock options. There's all kinds of interesting ways and contracts that, you know, I mean, it's, it's an, yeah, it's an, yeah, there's an interesting game at play. Right. And we could have a whole podcast about that, the the truth about what happens behind the scenes. But the important thing there is to, to recognize that um, whenever I do anything from love, whenever I share my spirit, whenever I share my soul, good things happen. Mm. Whenever I do things from fear, or obligation, yeah? Inevitably, I'm giving a part of myself up that, that ultimately doesn't serve me or the person that I'm sharing it with. So I've come into this realization and it's, it's very akin to integration. If I feel like something's in resonance, I go for it. And that's a form of leadership. Like I right. just know it. It's like I can sense it. My, my spirit intuitively knows that it's right for me. And that's right for relationships, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's personal, professional, it's right for life affirming decisions, right? And you have the opportunity to constantly evolve and change just like, you know, everything. Looking back, how has your life turned out differently than, than you expected it to? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so interestingly enough, um, there's a great, I, I just want to, I want to relay this because it's so powerful. There's uh, there was a study done by hospice workers that interviewed people on their deathbed. And there's a great article and it's super short and sweet if people want to Google the f- five regrets of, of people dying. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest regrets of people dying is not, uh, not living the life of their own choosing and instead living the life others expected of them. Another major regret is working too much. Another regret is you know not spending more time with the people they love, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. If you would have told me when I was, you know, a teenager, that I would be um, bringing together some of the most fascinating people from all over the world and different disciplines to go together on a one-week journey to go into a fully immersive experience with psychedelics and ancient and modern modalities with masters of their trade and come through the other side with aligned purpose, um, integrated community, and this collective social impact that would be beyond my wildest fantasies. I would say, I'm all in, you know, the 15 version. If you would have said that to me when I was 25, I would have said, you know, get a real job, right? right. So I am, I am now a, 
proud father to two boys, uh, Bo and Nico, ages six and nine. I'm, um, I, I used to feel like my parents were, my parents are still together more in love now than ever. And when I was divorced, I felt like I failed them. My, my boys, I felt like I felt my, I failed myself. I failed my, my, my wife at the time. I was like, you know, this nuclear family will be no more. I can honestly say now that I'm happier than I've ever been, that this dynamic where I'm with the boys half the time, and then the other t- half of the time I have the children of the world, you know, as my, as my family is like a dream come true. Cause I do get to do it all. But like you said, so astutely, it's like, if I would have planned my life, I would have never lived to my full potential, like the potential I'm living now. You just mentioned something briefly about, you realize that in, in a lot of the things that you had done in your past, you were not honoring yourself. What do you mean by that? Like yeah. when you think about you were not honoring yourself. Oh, I can, what, I can give so many examples. So for yeah, example- Yeah, maybe go into yeah. a little bit of your background yeah, so that sure. people understand so, your, what your actual yeah. background is and everything. Absolutely. So, um, so I know that you know, when I got out of college, I, um, and, and by the way, I went to uh, undergrad at Ithaca College in New York, upstate New York, and uh, I went to school at Cambridge University um, for an advanced degree and got pulled out early. I got recruited by um, Arthur Anderson, now Accenture, okay. uh, to go in the management consulting route. And man, did I just want to achieve. I just wanted to succeed. I wanted to make partner more than I wanted anything. I was ready to you know, mm-hmm. do whatever it took. And I was so steadfast, like focused on that partner track that- I didn't make time to date. I didn't make time to travel. I didn't make time to enjoy my life. It was a, you know, go into work at like, you know, be there by eight and stay till 10, 11, midnight, 2 a.m. It was almost a badge of like honor honor, that, you know, how late did you work last night? And oh my God, I'm so busy. And, you know, my friends would go out drinking and I would just like not, like I was just like working weekends and I'd, you know, travel and, you know, I had a million miles racked up on American Airlines by the time I was like 26. And I made director. And uh, this safe, secure environment that I was so sure I wanted um, immediately just evaporated through an Enron scandal and, and Arthur Anderson perished and the big five became the big four. And so just like that, like in a snap, I realized that these traditional, you know, companies were, you know, also susceptible to market conditions. And so fuck it. If there's going to be that level of risk, why not be a founder? Right. Why not just like risk it all? So that's when I, you know, went into, you know, startups and I had my first startup in San Francisco and, and just, you know, grinded, you know, what was the startup? Oh, it was an email. It was an email company. Okay. And, uh, we ended up having a successful exit. The point of me bringing that up is that what did I give up for that glory? Mm. I gave up my life. I gave up my life. I mean, I was a workaholic and for what? So the company could make a profit. <laughs> and to get a title that so ended up get, vanishing so anyways. I, yeah, so I could get a position, you know, so I could get an upper hand, so yeah. I could get what, a corner office so that people would admire my LinkedIn profile. Right. Fuck that. And so, and then, and then, and no doubt I, you know, I got great experience, right? If you don't have a successful startup, what do you say? It was a great experience, right? <laughs> well, I had not only a great experience, I had a fucking exit. Yeah. I mean, we, we ended up, um, the company that I sold to IPO'd and we were a unicorn. So I had money. So I had money, which is what I also wanted. So now I have money and I have status and now what? Well, now I'm lonely. Right. So now I'm, and, and I don't know what my purpose is. So now I'm, you know, prancing around, you know, pontificating and being playful. And it was fun because I was, you know, new money. My parents were teachers. And so this was, this was a cool experience. And I came in to realize that, you know, if it's not coming from the heart, if I'm not really following my path and honoring myself in the process, then what's the point? So what do you do at that moment when you realize this, when you're there yeah. in that moment, like yeah. 
you got all the money, you got, you did successful exit, but you're realizing, man, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, you lie to yourself. So I'm, I'm, I was full of distractions, right? So there was partying, there was, you know, you know, I was dating. There was, I mean, all these things I didn't have before I filled my cup and, and it overflow, right? Like, got so, it. so full of distractions and essentially, you know, preventing myself from doing the deep, deep work so that I could find myself, so I could remember who I am and why I'm here and what I'm here to do and how I can be in service in the highest. And so eventually what happens, and I've seen this enough around me, is that people either numb themselves so much that they convince themselves of another alternative reality or duality, or something absolutely like the universe comes and just like there is a, uh, there's an intervention of some right. kind, a divine intervention. Right. So fast forward to um, one of the things that I've known you by, which is Miami Made. Yeah. Maybe we can touch a little bit on that, what the history of that was, what the idea was, and then we'll transition into how that kind of has morphed into uh, One Heart. Yeah, definitely. So Miami Made was created out of an intention to, uh, to get founders together. So um, when I first moved to Miami, I remember going to like some pretty killer conferences. It was like um, Ola Alverson and, and Damien and, you know, a bunch of other people from the lab. I mean, they had some awesome events and I remember going there and I would see other founders and I'd be like, fuck yeah. Like I'm a founder. Yo bro. Like, you know, like I, founders, know founders yeah. and they know the lifestyle is yeah. not easy and you know, few understand that. And so it was so good to see brothers and sisters, you know, on that hero's journey. I'd be like, oh, we got to get together. Like, I got to tell you what's going on with me. I can't wait to hear what's going on with you. And, you know, it'd be funny because like when you're at the conference and there's like, you know, investors or VCs around, you know, you hear the founders dropping the bullet points. Like, oh, I'm crushing it. Everything's right. awesome. Like, I'm, you know, just product market fit, just hit, you know, I'm the shit, you know, like, and yeah. then, and then we get in the bathroom and I'd be like, yo, how you doing? They'd be like, I'm stressing getting, out. I'm getting fucking crushed, right? It's a shit show. I just, my co-founder and I hate each other and we're trying to work through our bullshit. Right. And I just lost our, our main developer. And I put all of our money into that, that M or M, M, M and F or, you know, right, so, yeah, it's just exactly. like, I mean, this is the reality, Complete right? It's duality like, of it's, like, it's total duality. And by the way, <laughs> any founder that says it's different is full of it, right? It's just like, it's just like families. We're yeah. perfectly imperfect, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and this is the process when you go out and birth something. It's beautiful, but it's it's nature. It's wild. It, it, it's constantly growing and unfolding. So anyway, was like, let's get together. And in, in, in all of that intention, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, founders are too busy for founders, right? We'll meet with an investor. We'll meet when we're hiring, but we're all in on our companies. And so, so I was like, all right, well, what if we create one event a month where we all get together and we make it a priority for each other, for ourselves? And we call it Thrive Together Tuesdays. And that became a thing. And interestingly enough, I, like a true founder, was traveling on the second one that I was doing, so I wasn't even going to make it. And one of my best friends had just moved uh, to uh, Miami from, from Manhattan. He had had an exit, and, and he had another company that he built up but that hadn't sold yet. It's like, Brandon, you got to jump in and run Miami Made. He's like, what? I'm like, bro, I'm getting on the airplane. This is what's happening. And, and, and so he did it. And then after doing it, he's like, this is really special. And you know, if you're serious about this, we get to make this a thing. So Miami Made was birthed out of just a beautiful intention to give, you know, connect. to connect founders. Nice. And, and uh, you know, we didn't pay ourselves. It was like a total like membership model where founders would, would pay a couple hundred bucks to join the membership. And then people started coming out from the community and offering founders wonderful offerings like to help support us. So Miami was a beautiful, um, you know, um, community that supported this startup ecosystem. And I'd like to think that we helped connect many people from the community to the Miami founders. Um, 
who largely are still underground. Like I know so many founders that haven't raised money that are crushing it, right? right? And uh, I mean, they're the well-kept secrets in, in, in the fabric of our startup ecosystem. Yeah. And so how does that translate into one heart? Wow. So yeah, so Miami Made um, allowed me to get a lot closer to founders. It showed me the p- potential of what happens when founders come together and support each other and stand in solidarity. And that, like, it was a social experiment. Um, and yet- Did you say it was kind of like Miami Made helped you maybe refine this idea that you didn't even know you had? I didn't know that I had it. Right. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I saw the connection between right. like, wait, this makes a lot of sense. I'm like, founders are like beta fish, right? It's like, it's like <laughs> they don't work together. You don't right. put them in the same bowl. And here we are like playing in the same bowl and in the same way, it's like the Super Bowl, right? It's like, what if you took all of these founders and created an all-star team? What if instead of playing for one temp company, what if all of them played together, right? For humanity. What if instead of us starting companies that were focused on, you know, creating the next app or adding another, you know, camera to an iPhone, we actually focused on planetary problems, right? And I was like, holy shit, there's something like brilliant here. What, if, what, what would the Olympics be? for creating commerce for the benefit of humanity. It's like, well, how would we bring a bunch of founders together, have them drop out of ego, let go of control and commune as one collective consciousness? That's a tough yeah. one, man. Well, it, because it, yeah. yeah, so much of you know the personality of a founder has to do with that, right? Like you have to be able to take control. You have to be able to have, you know, believe in that you can do something that somebody else that nobody else thought they could do. And so kind of, how do you flip that on its head? A hundred percent. Well, that turns out that fire, that drive that's inherent in founders is something that you want to continue to flourish. It turns out that that spark of innovation or ingenuity where they're birthing an idea that doesn't exist in society today and then, you know, make it real, like God-like superpowers is also another wonderful attribute Mm -hmm. in any creator, whether it's music or art or creating companies. The key, though, is to understand that most of these founders feel like they're on their own. Right. So, so inherently interesting is this notion of imagine going on the greatest journey of your life, and that is the 18 inches out of your mind and into your heart. And the second you get into your heart, you start to realize that all these founders, why are they doing these startups? What is the intention behind becoming a multimillionaire or a billionaire? Hmm. Right. I mean, what, what is really, what's the end game here? And what if you could experience that now? What if you could feel right now what it means to be loved, to fully have achieved, right? Then what would you dream within the, this dream? How many people are usually going to, to, to these events? Oh, so we on, generally on the journeys, we have uh, hundreds of people apply from all over the world. Uh, for One Heart Journeys. Um, and, then, and then there's an application process and our team reviews the applications and, and, and qualifies the individuals based on a number of criteria and then ultimately selects um, the few to interview with Brandon and I. Okay. And then, and then we, we ultimately <laughs> approve uh, for each journey around 33. Okay. A- and what I've seen from the collection of the community that we've curated to date is that many of these founders have recently had an exit Okay. And now we're like, okay, I've played the finite game. Now I'm ready to play the infinite game, right? I've made my money. You know, I've run the company. I, I know that I'm a good leader. And what, what is my legacy? Like, what am I doing for the humanity? Like, what's the impact that I want, wish to have? And know that they can't have that impact without 
um, you know, a community, a collective. Um, others are, you know, on their third or fourth startup and just stuck. They're like, I've done this multiple times now. And, you know, there's just gotta be something more. I feel like there's something more in life that I'm missing. Others like myself had just experienced a divorce and it just derailed them. Right. It's like, it's like those major life events. Others have had near death experiences and now are woke. Others have gotten deep into meditation or looking to go into higher states of consciousness. I like to say super consciousness. And, you know, I can reference models like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you start to go through, right. you know, it's like belongingness, achievement, self-actualization, self-transcendence, right? So what does it mean to be in service to all? And that's where coming together as a community, you get to play a different game mm. altogether. Um, I'll also, I'd be remiss not to drop in that as part of the One Heart Journeys, we also um, work with plant medicine, so many people are starting to, like Paul Austin was a One Heart, you know, tribe member. He's an alumni. He's the founder of Third Wave, well known for um, his, his movement around microdosing, right? So we're working with plant-based medicine, medicines like ayahuasca, which are somewhat controversial today. And that's also why we're- Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. Yeah, it's also why we're doing these journeys, though, um, you know, in international locations where we can be safe. Right. There's a great mentor I had. His name was Cyril Matter. And he said- uh, he, What's his he, name? Cyril Matter. Um, he's passed. He had dual degrees. He had a PhD in quantum th uh, physics and a PhD in theology. And he taught at Berkeley. And when I asked him, I said, Cyril, do you believe in fate or do you believe in destiny? He said, Barry, the most important moments in your life are just going to happen. Your job is to feel the details of the day. So choose good ones. And- it was like in that moment, there was like this huge stress that just like lifted off my shoulders because I really got what he meant. He was like, the biggest events in my life, like, you know, I was in a, I, and, and for me there, I was in a car crash when I was 16 and they had to use the jaws of life to get me out and life flight me and I fractured my femur and they thought that I was going to have internal injuries and it turned out I was a-okay. And from that moment forth, I kind of saw my life as bonus time. Um, you know, having, having, a, having a divorce. I mean, these are all, these are all opportunities that could be life-defining moments if we choose to go, if we choose to allow them to, to unravel what's possible. Right. Yeah. You mentioned some of these mentors that you've had along the way that impacted your life. Anybody else that comes to mind that you realized shaped your life in a fantastic way uh, and how? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you by the way, and in your essence, I'm seeing my father. So um, he has a sweetness to his soul and he's been a mentor for me from obviously the beginning. I mean, he, he's a teacher. He taught at Bucknell for 30 years. And, and uh, my dad, interestingly, was the oldest of four brothers. And my grandfather was in the Navy and would come home every five years and, and, and launch another startup, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> another brother. And so my dad got the experience of raising all of his brothers. And so by the time it came to me, he was pretty well practiced. And so- right. Um, so instead of being, you know, focusing on being a dad as much, he had that, he had that under wrap. It was more about him being a mentor, um, to me. And he's been, he's been the best mentor just by who he is and it's his kindness. It's you know, so interesting. It's like, you know, I've read, you know, hundreds of books. I've, I've traveled the world. I've been through all these trainings, you know, I've, I've studied with gurus and masters and you know what the greatest teachers have been to me? it's like the preschool teacher who taught me how to share my toys. It was right. like, it was like somebody in the store that held the door open and reminded me what it means to be a gentleman. You know, it's like mm -hmm. your smile right now, your authentic, authentic smile reminding me like what it means just to be, just to be, yeah. you know, just to be a good person. 
I mean, those are, those are the mentors to me. It's those miracle, like those moments, those magic moments that remind me what it means to be human. How would you describe your dad? Was it, you know, the lessons that he was teaching you? Um, was it him communicating with you, t- sitting down, talking you through things, or was it more showing you or leading you by example? There were many things that were unsaid where I just, I could see how he lived his life. And then through that, I, he, he led by example. So for example, like he would, he would read three papers a day, like, I mean, newspapers, like, I mean, he liked being informed. He liked being current. He liked being part of the world as a global citizen. Um, he, um, honored his word. Uh, he was always generous. I mean, my dad would, I mean, my goodness, you know, even when he didn't have money, he would give up, you know, whatever he had to be in service to others. Um, uh, the way that he loved my mother, I mean, just, you know, I mean, truly like, like loved her, honored her, you know, every day taught me how, uh, how to honor women. I haven't always honored women. Um, I've made mistakes and I know thanks to his leadership, his example, what's possible when you completely authentically love a woman, um, right. you know, and allow them to, 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 to be held in their highest. Yeah. I mean, um, I watched as he fathered my sister and how, you know, he was able to guide her and decisions around her career as he did with mine. And so these are all examples that I've been able to learn from. And by the way, there were other examples that he taught me, not by him being in excellence, by being a father, right? right. Like he would raise his voice. He could go from zero to a hundred in terms of anger, like that, my mom would, hear, you know, like he was a professor. And so he would then go off for 45 minutes, like ranting and raving, right? My mom right. would have us leave the house because right. she didn't want to be around the energy. So that helped me deal with something that's been in my lineage, which is anger management issues. So by seeing him, understanding the impact that had on me, I was able to make a conscious choice to like end it. I'm not going to allow, you know, anger to flare up. I'm going to learn techniques and tools to be able to, to consciously, you know, um, you know, cease that. And now thank goodness. Cause I have these two beautiful boys that I get to, I get, to, I get to love and I get to, you know, be a father too. And no doubt there will be wonderful things that they'll learn from me. And no doubt through my other examples, my shadow selves, right. they'll say no fucking way. Am I going to be like right. dad in that way? And that's the beauty. And that's the multi-generational legacy. And we just, I was just here this week. We had a wonderful conference, um, before the Super Bowl, and it was at a family office, and there was like, you know, there was like, you know, a lot of quote unquote, you know, people, important people flew in, right, for, for, um, for this week's events. And the whole conversation was around legacy and family wealth planning. And, and, um, and usually that conversation is largely around money. And the beautiful conversation that was being had, and this was also a direct result of a lot of people having just um, come from Davos is this notion of transferring wisdom. And I believe that in many, you know, indigenous populations, there's been a lot of wisdom that's transferred um, through family because they don't care as much about money. Mm-hmm. And yet in, you know, in, in our country, people care a lot more about money. And then after multiple generations, you know, ask any kid or grandkid that's inherited a lot of money and they'll acknowledge that wisdom is just as, if not more important than money, I would, I would go so far as to inject that love is the legacy that we get to leave well after we pass through that, that hidden doorway. 
Yeah. Two things come to mind as soon as you're saying that it's, it's a quote that I've, I've said it a million times, I think on this podcast is we try to give our kids everything we didn't have instead of trying to teach them what we didn't know. Right. And it's, it's so easy to get caught up in that. I want to give them everything I didn't have. I want to give them this. I want to give them that. And it's like, no, you're, it's okay. Nobody's ever cried when they're an adult at a therapist's office going like, I wish my parents had more money. They all know they're always saying, I wish my parents gave me more time. I wish my dad had gone to that football game or whatever it is. Right. A hundred percent. And so any parent listening right now, like hug your child. If, even if they're too old, crawl in bed with them. I mean, if your mom's alive, like give her a big hug and crawl in bed with her and snuggle her and let her know how much you appreciate all that she gave you. I, I want to share with you also that, um, in terms of conscious parenting, your point is so powerful. So, so many parents project um, their life on their kids. My, my, my oldest son plays baseball and I'm involved in the, you know, in, in, in the baseball league. And there's so many parents that are pushing their kids. And you could tell the kids, like, if the kids love the game, there's a huge distinction than like dragging the kid along. It's like, you see some people walking dogs and dogs don't want to walk. Right. And they're like dragging the dog by like <laughs> on the, the leash and the dog's like, you know, like getting pulled by them. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. And so conscious parenting is the, is the recognition, the awareness, the awakening of realizing that this kid has its own spirit. You know, this kid um, has an opportunity to live and grow based on what they truly feel in their soul is, is it excites them or delights them. And I find myself like projecting, Oh, well, you know, this is super important. You got to learn this lesson. And the reality is they're going to learn that lesson in life anyway. It's amazing how community shows up, teachers show up, all these other people who are, who are meant to teach them that lesson in that moment, it manifests, you know, brilliantly. It's like a symphony of synchronicities. And yet our greatest privilege as parents is to simply love unconditionally, right? For these kids to know that no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter what happens to them, any, if anything ever happens to them by any other person, mm-hmm. that no matter what, mommy and daddy will always love you for you. Yeah. I'm really thrilled that the, um, the Sentners are starting a, a school. They just had a, their founders that had a mega exit last year. Um, and now because of their daughters and looking for the right school for their daughters and realizing that there's wonderful programs here in Miami and schools, and yet none of them have what they believe, you know, their daughter should have. Mm-hmm. And so they are birthing a new school that's conscious, that, um, puts happiness, um, um, you know, Fast Company just wrote an article about how it's a new happiness school. And yes, it has academic excellence. And yes, there's a, you know, a language immersion and, and there's, you know, a huge um, focus on emotional intelligence, which I believe are, and these are all 21st century life skills that are yeah. quintessential for our kids. And so I just love that there's founders like that in Miami that are birthing these, you know, businesses that are reforming education locally and then have the potential Long to overdue. do so globally. <laughs> yeah. Any quotes that you often think of or that you try to live by? All right. So, um, so I remember being, um, a teenager and I remember hearing the song, uh, wake up to find out that you are the eyes of the world. It was by the grateful dead. And I remember that like lyrics sticking with me and I didn't know why. And now I know why. So, um, by waking up and realizing that my consciousness is not just seeing through my own eyes. It's seeing through the lens of the world, like through many people's and that, that, that I have this perspective then to truly understand and appreciate 
what's possible when we when we join together and combine our gifts for the greater good. So that that lyric has a pretty profound impact on me. Um, Daniel Pinchbeck also recently said, I, I forget the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, uh, we only think the universe is made up of matter. It's secretly made up of love. And there's a big part of me that kind of really just loves that, um, largely because so much of what I've learned through quantum physics disproves what I've learned in science. What I'm learning about what's possible in terms of human potential has brought me to a, a new level of awareness uh, of, of how important it is that love is a part of, of, of that equation. So when I talk to founders about super consciousness, um, this notion of when you're beyond a flow state, when you're truly in tune and at one with all, love is an energy, it's a frequency, it's a harmony, it's a vibration that allows you to um, synchronize with this, this, uh, this very, very special space that for me allows me to create um, good right. things for myself, for others. And I'll give, you, I'll give you a quick example too. I mean, Brandon and I, when we, and this is relevant for, for a lot of founders, when we birthed, um, when we birthed One Heart, um, we, we at first started as a, as a startup studio. So we were like, all right, we're going to birth three companies a year and we're going to only do companies that we love. And so we birthed three companies um, um, in 2018. It was uh, Superwell, which is a super foods company. We launched Guided, which is executive coaching for the enterprise. Uh, sold Gary Vandercheck. I mean, he was one of our you know, first enterprise deals. Okay. And then there was Journeys, uh, One Heart Journeys. Nice. And if you would have asked me, you know, which one of these do I see myself doing? I mean, for the money, it would be for sure Guided, guided. right? Like software. I mean, it's like, like coaching and enterprise deals and, you know, how quickly you could get multiples on the valuation and we could raise money. And, and then super well was like one of those things where I think I had like a thousand dollars of supplements in my <laughs> kitchen and I was just pissed that I was spending all this money in ancient nutrition and, you know, all right. these other organizations, you know, um, you know, um, um, and, uh, like Dave Asprey and all these others kind of inspired me. And so I was like, you know, let's, let's create a superfoods company. And so we found this amazing founder, talk about partnering with founders. We found this amazing partner, um, Brandon Young and, and he was a, this mastermind genius in Amazon. And uh, so we brought him in as a founder and, and uh, we brought in another founder for Guided, uh, Spencer Jacobson, who's just a remarkable, remarkable guy and, and launched these companies. And, you know, super well now, if you go on Amazon is like Amazon's choice for ashwagandha powder and maca and all these other wonderful superfoods. Okay. Um, Guided is doing really well, just raise more money, et cetera. And Brandon and I were both like, we just want to be involved in journeys. Right. Like it's like, it's, it's, it's true to our heart. And at the time it didn't make any sense financially. Like there wasn't even a financial model. Like we couldn't pay ourselves. Right. And we did it anyway. Right. Knowing what we know as founders, like we just went for it. And by following our heart and coming into that with Things love, play out. everything played out yeah. so beautifully. So you've gone through an incredible journey evolution, which obviously will never end. But looking down the road 10 years from now, imagine we have Barry from 10 years from now coming back to today, giving you a piece of advice that you need to hear today. What do you think Barry is telling you today? What a magnificent question, brother. What a gift. Um, it, it's the same advice I would give the Barry 10 years younger and then 10 years younger. Okay. Um, it's enjoy 
like be at peace, rest easy knowing that you are bountiful and beautiful and graceful and gorgeous. And, you know, you know, when we look at those, you know, how we take pictures on our phone and then we look at them like 10 years later and we're like, fuck, I actually looked really good. Like I was hypercritical at the time. And, you know, I was all, you know, weirded out by my, you know, haircut or right. whatever it is. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, when we, when I look back 10 years from now, like I'm going to be looking at this moment and how magical it is and how, I had certain things figured out and yet I had so many things that I didn't and being uncomfortable, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, mm. like knowing that my life is a masterpiece. Now, when, when you create a masterpiece, think about this for a moment. When you create a masterpiece, the process of the creation, right? People could judge the entire time, right? Mm. They could say, it doesn't look right. It's not anybody that's a master in their work. It's a process. It's a practice. And it's often messy. And it's messy. And many times you don't even know where you're fully going, right? And if you do, it's probably not going to merge into a masterpiece because it's predictable right. and it's contained and it's suppressed. And so I, I, I love, I, I'd love to gift myself the awareness and the advice and more importantly, just the energetic embodiment of knowing that my life is evolving and that I truly am living a masterpiece. And with that kind of aspiration... I, I get to continue to apply the dedication, um, the commitment, you know, being in service. Why do you think it's so hard for us that even though you know you may have given yourself that advice a million times, you're still not really going to fully <laughs> get it. And that 10 years from now, you're going to be looking back at today and you're going to be like, yeah, I should have slowed down and enjoyed it even more. Even though you're saying it right now, why do you think that is? It's because we're not fully conscious. As much as, I, as much as I can talk about consciousness and higher states of consciousness and even super consciousness, right? To truly freeze time and be unbelievably present in this very moment, right? Is almost impossible for me to do here with you, right? I mean, we can slow it down and I can feel into this magic moment and all of my senses can be awakened and I can... I can, you know, feel into all the listeners and how they're tuning in and their energies are, you know, combining and, and, and how there's almost a symphony in terms of a wave that's rippling into the universe. And I can feel all of that happening, you know, like an orchestra, it's gorgeous. And yet I feel into that. And then just like that, that moment's gone. And guess what? My kid's asking daddy, daddy, right. daddy, let's go to baseball. Or, you know, I get a phone call or, you know, some, something gets to this circus that is right. this life. And, and it keeps going. And then the itty bitty shitty committee that Jennifer Grace loves to say, um, you know, kicks in and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. And I right. could be a better dad and I could be a better lover. And I, do I really want to live in Miami or do I want to be in Bali or, you know, how about that trip? Or should I take this one? Right. And that's just, boom, all of these, all of these things can, can have me questioning right. until, until I really drop into my heart space. And I realize how privileged I am to have walked this earth and met these beautiful spirits and souls along the way. And hopefully I've enriched, you know, enriched their lives in, in some special way. So switching gears into Miami rapid fire segment. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of quick, quick questions at you about Miami living. And I want you to rattle off the first thing that comes to mind. Favorite food spot and dish. Oh, favorite food spot and dish. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, crudo sushi. They have this epic 
Oreo cookie roll that my boys okay. devour. So not only is there sushi legit, especially for delivery, which is a, Oreo comfort, cookie a roll. comfort for a father, wow. and they have a dessert that's an Oreo cookie roll okay. that rocks my world, their worlds. Nice. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? When I'm stuck in Miami traffic, I've always got my Spotify cooking and my Spotify playlist is shared. Uh, and so it's available to all. all right. And there's a playlist called the Stamos Boys playlist that I've created for my boys that has music that's full of energy and coding that okay. can support people. Love it. In beautiful ways. They listen to it every night. They go to sleep and it's good for adults. All right. What's your favorite way to spend a Miami weekend? Ah. Uh, I would say, um, is this is this with the boys when they're when I have my boys? Or Give me both. When I'm, Give okay, me both. So with I, boys and without boys. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm with my boys, um, baseball is definitely in the picture. Um, uh, when I'm with my boys, we like to hit up. You know, Fun Dimension is one of their favorites. Okay. Um, we love going to um, like the lighthouse or a beach, um, playing as we go park, like going canoeing or, or kayaking. Um, Anything that involves being outside in nature is always where we seem to to thrive. Uh, I think it's really important too for kids to connect with nature and using that excuse, adults to connect with nature too. Um, <laughs> when I'm not with my boys, oh brother, uh, there's so many amazing invitations to play with each other's toys. So um, I love being on somebody else's boat. Okay? <laughs> um, uh, uh, being in the air. Uh, Miami, I love being in the water. One of the things I love most about Miami is that we actually get to be in the water. I lived in San Francisco for nine years and you'd always see the water, but it was right. so cold. You need a wetsuit. There's giant, I mean, Miami, you can just put your feet in the water and just be at peace. I love being at South Point Park. Um, I love watching the sunrise on the beach. Um, I, I just I, like, like sun gazing. Um, so many beautiful offerings locally with so many practitioners in terms of meditation. I mean, the, the reset ladies are just divine. Uh, Mike from modern Ohm has some wonderful openings. Daybreakers here is always epic. Um, I mean, it's just a ton of beautiful events, um, and conscious spaces. Any people, businesses, or anything else, anybody else in Miami that you think is doing amazing, wonderful stuff that you want to show a little bit of love to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, I would first like to give, um, a total shout out to like all of the practitioners that, you know, are finding a way to get by doing what they love and sharing the love. So one of the first um, practitioners I met in Miami was this gentleman by the name of Pablo Lucero, who, you know, said he was a yogi and it turned out he was just a total wizard. Like we'd get together, you know, every week and, and uh, he's since moved on to Costa Rica, but just a magical teacher, mentor, um, and there's so many of those wonderful beings who are, you know, in service to all of those of us that are kind of doing the the, the daily grind right. and reminding us to kind of get out of our heads and come back into our hearts and lifting our spirits and in their own soft and subtle way. Um, um, I had a huge um, growth spurt through participating in the gratitude training program uh, here in Miami. Okay. Um, they have offerings in Fort Lauderdale and West Palm Beach, and they also have a Miami um, practice. And so, um, and Joan is the founder of that and wonderful. Um, I, uh, I would love to give, um, a, a shout out to, um, all of the founders that are now giving back to Miami that are pulling, you know, their brothers and sisters up either through mentoring or investing or just being supportive. I think it's super important for our startup community and ecosystem to continue to find ways to collaborate and, uh, and be there for one another. And, uh, I'm grateful to, um, let's talk about like the lab. 
Let's talk about, you know, even Refresh Miami. Let's talk about all of the uh, the amazing um, events that are constantly happening. I mean, we, we have new conferences and events happening in Miami, I feel like every other week. Yeah. Um, there are other amazing founders like Uli, who's on a one heart journey. He's, you know, on his fourth company. I mean, you know, there's so many founders that are giving back to other founders. I just love the interconnectivity. And if I could invite, you know, the, the, the startup community here to step into the next level of this ecosystem, it really is fostering and facilitating more organization, more collaborate, more collaboration. Um, and Miami has all of the ingredients to be an epic, like an epicenter for, yeah. for everything. And we are, we're becoming something beautiful. Um, we are something beautiful already. Um, and we're becoming something even, even more beautiful as we find ways to, to collaborate. My invitation um, to the listeners is to really feel into what you, w- w- what you're most passionate about um, and only do the things that you're passionate about doing. Um, and if you're not sure what those are, then, you know, get out there and be in a constant state of discovery, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Get yeah. out there and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to get rough at times, but it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all rough. Yeah. It, we're a little, we're all a little rough. Yeah. Um, and together we get to smooth each other out. Yeah. Um, we get to also have some real serious conversations though. Um, and everybody gets to lean in and, and find ways to contribute to the, the reality around sea level rising. And I mean, recycling, you know, is, is a issue here. There's a lot of like major issues and politics aren't going to, they're not going to figure things out, you know, and, and companies are definitely not motivated financially to provide the support. So, you know, the founders are oftentimes, you know, left to, left to, uh, figure it invent, out. yeah, products and services that will ultimately make money and do good. And that's the new model for yeah. humanity in 2020. I'm so grateful to you and, you know, you giving a voice to those of us that otherwise would have been missed. And if nothing else, hopefully we're an inspiration for um, others to go beyond the perspiration and endless pursuit of, 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 of running down this dream that um, myself and so many others can come back and say is not worth doing. Yeah. Love it. Love you, brother. Barry, what Thank is you. the best way for people to connect with you, find out what you're up to, if they want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, brother. I, I mean, I, I, I've been pretty private and I've been told that I get to be a little bit more public and so, um, and share myself. So um, I would start with, uh, I welcome anyone in Miami to, to, to be a new friend um, on Instagram. You can reach me at Barry Stamos. So that's easy. Um, my email is Barry at oneheart.com the number one and then H E A R T.com. And so I welcome an email and I've met a lot of people in Miami and I can't wait to, I can't wait to continue to be a part of this community. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here, here for the long haul. I've, we've, we've dug deep roots here and we get to raise the ground. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Barry, thank you so much. Cheers, brother. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.